Hey everybody, it's Greg Griffin of Pathfinder Teams. I'm here with Megan Barrett today, just back from Africa. Today we're going to talk about the real estate industry uh, in a not-so-pretty way. The title of today's podcast is Real Estate Wants You to Be Average, which is uh, going to be contentious with some folks, but we're going to dive right in and talk about what that means. Hey everyone, Megan here. Before we get started, let's define who we are talking about. What exactly is the average realtor? Okay, so what exactly is the average realtor? Well, it's first it's important to know there's 1.2 million real estate agents, give or take a handful, in North America right now. And the average agent does about 12 transactions a year and makes $42,500 gross, which means they're bringing home about 15 bucks an hour after expenses. When we're talking about average agents, it could be this person, but it could also be someone who's got a ton of experience and makes a half a million bucks a year. Because just because you make a lot of money doesn't mean you're good in our industry. We're stuck on this benchmark of production, and it isn't a good indicator of how good someone is. And we'll talk about why that is. So when we talk about average, we're talking about their ability to represent people, to stand in front of them take care of their needs, anticipate problems, avoid pitfalls, seize opportunities, and kick ass on someone's behalf. When we say average, if you're average at those things, you're an average agent. I don't care what you make. All right, let's dive in. Why the real estate industry wants you, my realtor friends, to be average. Number one, people are people. With 1.2 million of us, it's a pretty large cross-section. We can pull 1.2 million people from anywhere, and the average ones are always going to be average. Same thing for us. And when you have a study group that big, the people who are really awful or really excellent are kind of invisible because the group is so large. It also makes it hard for things to change. Even if suddenly everyone woke up and realized what we're talking about today, change takes time. We're, we're steering a, a cargo ship, not a motorboat. I guess with any large group, people will be people. That's exactly right. And and we're going to forgive ourselves for that one before we take some responsibility going in here deeper. Number two, the real estate companies want you to be average. The brokerages want us to be average? That doesn't make any sense. Don't they want the most successful agents they can get? Not necessarily. Um, If it's a small boutique brokerage where everybody's friends, maybe so. But if you're a large franchise company with tens or hundred thousand agents working for you what you're looking for is a platform that fits for the most people something that is maneuverable that can be scaled that can be marketed that everybody understands it can be duplicated across different jurisdictions and styles of business regionally so for them having an agent who's an outlier who either is not very good or is really really good can be a bit of a liability because either way they need a lot of attention and they can tend to use up extra company resources. Okay, So which brings us to number three which are closely aligned with the companies which are the vendors, the people who sell us realtors stuff. Okay, the vendors I get. Sell the most, the biggest group. How does this impact a realtor's business? Well, Again, with 1.2 million of us, if we're a company that makes business cards or signs or produces software, we want to sell it to the most people we can. And so we're not designing our product for someone who isn't doing business because they can't afford it or someone who is 
at the top of the industry because they're going to be highly specialized. They're going to want to do things their way. So pretty much everything provided to our industry goes right in the middle where the most agents are, which is the same model the companies are using. So it's very easy to see why companies get in cahoots. I mean, I challenge you to go out there and find a company that is encouraging its agents to use some highly customizable, radical, super cool system or tool because it's not in their best interest because if the agent adopts it, it gets comfortable and used to it, someone else might want it or worse, the company may not be able to support them in this new tool or technology. That doesn't make us sound like we're very intelligent. So you're saying we're essentially a herd animal, a sheeple. <laughs> Should I be offended? Yeah. Um, yes and no. I mean, I think this kind of brings us to the next topic, which is, you know, our own industry. The agents who are in our industry, we look around and if the company's telling us something, the vendors are telling us something, and it's the way it's always been done, it's only natural that as people come up through the industry that they're going to tend to do what has worked before until we have a disruptor. For example, the millennial generation with the way that they want to do business is disrupting old business practices. It's forcing evolution of these tools. It's forcing the evolution of companies and how we do business, but it's taking a long time. And of course, everybody who doesn't want to change is pushing back on it. For us, we want to figure out what can we do? You know, what are some things that we can do to make ourselves better? to not fall into this trap. Because most people get into business and they start to figure out, wow, I thought I was gonna do great, I'm doing average. And so we look around and where do we go? Coaches. Coaches and training companies. Unfortunately, guess what? They want you to be average too. Though they're selling, hey, we're gonna turn you into a wizard or Yoda or a rock star. The truth is, they're volume dealers too. Even the really good ones out there and they focus on production. They pro focus on lead generation. And so what they're selling is you'll make more money, but they're not telling you you're going to get any better. And when consumers look at our industry, they don't have a way to gauge us. They don't know who's average and who's fantastic. So all they can do is look at production, which is supported by the company, the vendors, and the coaches too. So coaches are, are huge offenders here because they want you to be average because the more average you are, the more you need them. And if you become exceptional and you don't need them anymore, then you're not gonna pay them the 1500 bucks a month or whatever it's gonna be. So big picture, what can we as agents do to stay out of this average trap? <laughs> That's the magic question. Um, as you can see with people being people, companies, vendors, our peers, and the main coaching and training companies all sort of funneling us into the middle of the bell curve, if you will, it's a tricky proposition to get out of it. I and mean, the first thing we have to do is sort of wake up and, and acknowledge that, hey, maybe this isn't the better way. I mean, if the average realtor in America today is making 15 bucks an hour and they can match it at McDonald's plus get health insurance, then, and we're a quarter of the gross domestic product of our nation, it should be a bit of a warning bell here that there's something amiss. So let's talk about it. Number one, if you want to not fall into the average trap, you need to know the difference between education, training, mentoring, and coaching, and have a plan to include all of them in your regimen. 
It sounds time-consuming and expensive. It can be, but it's, it's like the old cliche that says if you think you know, a top producer is expensive, wait till you try an amateur. Um, it's the same thing for us. So let's just briefly talk about what the difference is. Education is information that we go and we learn to be applied to something that we're working on. Training is where we take that information and we implement it. We practice it. We learn how to climb the rope or climb trees or whatever we're going to do. Coaching, the way we define it, is about accountability, about someone keeping you on track, keeping you on a path to get you from A to B. We're going to run through the season. We're going to try to beat these seven teams and make it into the playoff. Here's what you're going to do. And they break it down to a very granular level so that everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing and when. And it's essential just like education and training. What's in remarkably short supply out there is mentoring. Mentoring is taught to you by someone who's already mastered it to the point where they can teach it back to you. They can not only show you here's what to do, but how to do it and why, and get you to a point where you can start creating your own internal evolution so that you've got someone who is helping you not just do more, become more efficient and learn more stuff, but they're helping you get better by knowing more. They're putting you on the path to mastery, essentially. So if we understand that, the next thing we have to understand, and this is a huge one for residential agents, is understanding the nature of competition. As a commercial agent, I see the same competitors all the time because I specialize in a product type. Let's say it's high-rise office leasing in a certain city. If I'm going after a listing, I'm seeing the same four or five men and women every single time I go for that. So I'm in a very defined competitive environment. For residential, in most big markets, you could do 100 transactions and never see the same agent twice. So that element of competition that's in your face just isn't there. And what we want to do is know there's three kinds of competition. Number one, the competitor you know. That person that is working the same neighborhood as you, working the same church group, whatever it may be. You see them all the time. You butt heads constantly. Second up, there is the competition you know about, but you don't know much about them. That other broker from ABC Realty down the street that you seem to keep bumping into. And then number three, and this is the tough one, is the competitor that you don't know and you don't see. Which could be anything from indecision in a client to Zillow to for sale by owner to someone that you don't even know is being interviewed because the client hasn't told you, but yet they're still there. We have to assume in a business environment that we're always in competition because there's a limited resource outcome, which means there's only one listing, one trophy, one prize. And so if more than one person wants it or more than one person wants you to not have it for whatever reason, whether they get it or not, you're in competition and the industry just doesn't teach it because to teach competition it pulls you out of average you have to you have to become almost bloodthirsty you have to become a predator an honorable one but you've got to be willing to go for it sounds aggressive it can be um, it doesn't mean that you can't be totally legal totally moral totally ethical and just fantastic to work with but highly competitive when you're going for the business. And if nothing else, this will help you move from average first. If you don't learn the skill set, you're going to be stuck because the higher up the food chain you go, the better the competition is. Because if you think 
that the top agent in your market isn't a fierce competitor, that they're not just good at what they do, but they're also good at kicking people's butt, you are sadly mistaken. Number three, we believe that for referrals, referrals from our SOI are nice, but we think there's two other kinds of referrals, which we call big, big game and high value targets. Big game, high value targets? I'm not familiar with those terms in real estate. It's because they're not from real estate. The reason we talk about this is that we know that you, dear listener, wherever you are, whatever city you're in, somewhere in a high-rise office building, there is a real estate attorney who's the managing partner of a big regional law firm that specializes in real estate. Everything he does all day is working with people who you would love to represent. And guess what? He probably has a residential agent he sends all of his business to or her business to. If you can imagine what that agent does differently, what they know to get a qualified referral without competition from one of these high value targets, they're doing something different in their business. Their mastery is better. Their competitive skills are better. Their ability to interact in a business-like manner are better. And we do this a lot in our seminars. We ask people to hop in the car with us and go make a cold call on a real estate attorney. And um, that's the fastest way to make an agent throw up I know. Greg, do you have any suggestions or even examples of how uh, an agent can differentiate themselves to reach a high-value target? Well, it's its own skill set. I mean, it actually is because lawyers have their own language and what they're looking for. The other high-value targets, by the way, are CPAs, financial planners, wealth managers, uh, anybody who is constantly in contact with people who already has a fiduciary or engaged, retained, professional relationship. So when they make a handoff to you, it's pretty well a done deal unless you blow it. What a real estate attorney wants is very similar but slightly different than what a CPA or wealth manager might want. A little bit of difference in language, a little bit of difference in how they work with their clients. And we have to kind of understand that. What they're looking for, though, is not your typical average realtor. You can count on that because they've worked really hard to get where they are. And the last thing they want to do is stick their neck out, their credibility out for an average agent. Okay. That makes sense. Be... Well, awesome. Be awesome. Be awesome. Yeah. Learn who you're going after. Because if we work our SOI, the one thing we got to understand, Megan, is that in our SOI, the only thing they have in common is you. If you take an agent with 2,000 people in their sphere of influence and we pull all these people and we put them in a stadium, there's going to be some people who have a few things in common. There's going to be people who have nothing in common. And so it's very hard to fine-tune our skill set for them. That's why we rely on things like salesy techniques and scripts and dialogues. What we're trying to do is create a technique some kung fu that works on everybody. The great thing about high value targets is the skill set is very specialized. The trick is finding somebody qualified to teach it to you. That makes sense. Okay, cool. Number four, this is hard. Um, we need to know how our tools look to consumers. And by our tools, I mean our marketing and stuff like that. What does that mean? Like, what does really look mean as opposed to what? Well, if we take real estate marketing, for example, and we look at how we see it from inside our industry, we see it through average eyes because truthfully, there's very little differentiation in marketing. 
as someone who advises companies on recruiting, I can tell you that I've sat in front of countless brokers who tell me they've got like this unique system and unique tools. And guess what? It doesn't exist. We all have the same internet. We all have the same MLS, the same photographers, the same contracts, the same ordinance and code for our state we have to abide by. There's very little differentiation out there. And unless we educate our consumers on what really matters, what actually sells houses, they're going to judge us by the shiny, flashy bullshit stuff that really doesn't matter. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. So for us, we want to understand what they're seeing from our industry. So if they have five listing presentations from five companies, truthfully, the odds are of them hearing something wildly or radically different from anybody, it's very small, very small, because we all have the same tools. The internet was, we thought it was going to ruin the industry, and really what it did was it just really leveled the playing field. Number five, we recommend that you constantly compare yourself to other professionals. I thought comparing ourselves to others was unhealthy. Yeah, well, I guess it is if you're talking about what you see in the mirror, but... What we're talking about is people outside the real estate industry, attorneys, CPAs, doctors, wealth managers, engineers, anybody who's had to work really hard, study really hard, educate themselves, train themselves, get some coaching and find a mentor to get really good. We want to take a look at that. Real estate ranks very low down there with used car salespeople among consumer affinity and how they think we are how honorable we are, I guess. And that's our own fault. And if we find ourselves totally and always compared to other realtors, if you're buying into what we're saying that everything's pretty average out there, then we'll be average too. So if you want to say, am I any good? Don't compare yourself to the guy sitting in the corner office of your company. Compare yourself to the guy sitting in the corner office of the big law firm or the CPA or the head internist in a major hospital or the head engineer at a big engineering firm. Those guys and gals are the ones we need to follow. We need footsteps that actually lead somewhere rather than back to the same old stuff. So what do you think? I mean, we're dealing with people's lives. We're helping them get from one place into their next big home or big milestone in their life. Like this needs to be something that we take seriously and that we are passionate about and we educate ourselves and we put our best foot forward when we represent our, our neighbors and our friends. Right. So let me ask you a question. I mean, most realtors I know are pretty nice people and they're attractive and smart. I mean, as a general group, but if somebody you really cared about needed real estate help, how many agents do you actually know that would be worth worthy of taking care of your grandmother and her final transaction? Yeah, not that many. Not that many either. We ask this question in seminars all the time. And in a MLS with 25, 30,000 members, the average number we get is four to six agents out of all those people. So clearly there's some people who know something different. They get to take care of people's grandmothers. They get to take care of the managing partner of the real estate law firm or the big CPA or the CEO of a company relocating into a market. There's clearly something else going on here that isn't average. So for the most realtors, the trick is just wake up and get yourself some professional help who understands that. When you go to interview a coach or a company, the question shouldn't be like, what's my commission split? It's 
what are you going to do to help me not be average? And then listen closely. And if you get the same old song and dance, oh, we've got a great CRM and our sales meetings are awesome and we have a good in-house mortgage company. If you get the same old crap, it's a red flag and you should move on. So any final thoughts? I love it. I don't know. I'm good. Okay. I don't know. Sorry. Uh, we hope this has been. Uh, we hope this has been beneficial for you and only mildly offensive. Uh, we'd love to uh, continue the conversation at PathfinderTeams.com. Connect with us. We'd love to help you out. This is exactly what we do. Thanks for your time. Talk to you next time.